Hello, and welcome to Can Architecture Fix This? A podcast where we explore challenging design questions through stories and conversations with expert guests. I'm your host, Rebecca Schaeberg, coming to you from White Architecture Studio in Oslo, Norway. If you're a new listener, here's a quick recap. About two years ago, our studio gathered a number of articles from colleagues and outside collaborators featuring stories about designing where water is a primary concern. We published those stories in a book anthology entitled Out of the Blue. Over the next episodes, we're checking back in with some of those contributing authors to hear their stories firsthand and see if anything has developed over the past two or so years. This week, we are asking, can architecture fix the challenges of living in tropical floodplains? We've invited Joran Van Schaik and Peter Ham to share a story from Manila Bay in the Philippines, where they, along with several collaborators, founded the nonprofit Finch Floating Homes and developed a pilot home that might help a community adapt to climate change. We hope you'll enjoy the story. Today, I'm joined by Joran Van Schaik and Peter Ham. Joran is a building engineer with a background in sustainable modular timber structures, and Peter is doing a PhD at the Technical University in Delft in the Netherlands. Joran and Peter, welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for much. having us. Yes. Very good to have you. Before we get into today's discussion, I wonder if you each could introduce yourselves a little bit and maybe tell us how you met. We can start first with Joran. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, so like uh, Peter and I, we met in our first year uh, of our master building engineering uh, in uh, Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. um, basically where we did two years of projects together. Um, uh, and after that, we also decided to uh, uh, write our master thesis together, which is mm -hmm. a bit unusual, but uh, we worked so well together that uh, we decided to do that. Um, and the topic was floating homes in the Philippines. Okay. Um, so after successful completion, because uh, we uh, we kind of didn't want it to be only a, a graduation project, we wanted it to be like something more than that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we started the Finch Floating Homes uh, Foundation uh, after graduation um, with the goal to build a first pilot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the thing. The thing was, yeah, after our graduation project, it was. It was quite nice. Yeah, we did some some cool stuff uh, together. Uh, we went to the Philippines and uh, did our first uh, design drawings. Uh, then we were finished. We presented our work, of course. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, yeah, we talked to each other. We thought, yeah, okay, nice what we did. But mm -hmm. yeah, what if we stop now? Then there is, in a way, there's nothing. Of course, mm -hmm. you have your work that you have have presented and that you have written, but. Yeah, no, come on, we have now to do, we have to do the next step. And that is really uh, make it into practice. And uh, yeah, and luckily we find, uh, yeah, we always found a way to uh, continue with this uh, project. So that's why we, together with uh, with someone else as well, we found at uh, Finch Floating Homes. Mm. And I was able to continue at, uh, yeah, at the University of Delft, mm. uh, doing my PhD on the same topic. So the topic okay. is still floating homes uh, in the Philippines. Uh, yeah. yeah, searching for some solutions how yeah how floating homes can uh, can be implemented in these uh, these flood prone areas in uh, in southeast asia okay so when you got to the philippines then were you already aware of the the flooding problem um or was that what you um, found and then the solution became floating homes or was floating homes already a, a premise well yeah we we went there mm -hmm. um 
yeah, and then we then we saw those uh, those problems. Of course, we knew that there were some some uh, yeah water related or flood related problems, but to really see it with your own eyes, yeah, then you start thinking about how can we make some uh, yeah contribution to solutions to these uh, these problems. But because yeah, those problems are quite quite big, you know, that's are really that we talk about daily floods over there, and uh, yeah, and those trends are worsening and worsening uh, mainly. Yeah, because of two things. One is the sea level rise, the other one being uh, yeah, the sinking of the ground. Right. Uh, you see that in many cities, you see that in Manila, Jimin, Jakarta, all those cities are, are sinking. Mm. And this area is sinking with five to 10 centimeters per year, which is crazy, of course. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and, and, and we, we ask people, uh, yeah, what do you do about those, uh, those floods? And then uh, yeah, they were answering the question with, yeah, Every every year we, we raise our uh, yeah the floor of, of our homes, but uh, but now my head is almost reaching the ceiling, okay. and yeah that was an answer that that yeah that's very of course very sad answer, but as well interesting in a way that you see that people are always yeah fighting these problems and they find solutions. However, these solutions are are limiting, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started thinking about some uh, some yeah, other uh, other type of uh, of solutions, and it was not only the problem about uh, that the water is coming into the homes and into the streets, but as well a, uh, a problem about a lack of uh, of available land to build uh, to build new uh, new homes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's as well what you see in many areas, not only there but in all all parts uh, all over the world. But here it's very visible uh, because there used to be all rice fields in uh, in that area. However, now due to all that water that's coming in and that is yeah, staying there permanently, mm. um, yeah, those rice fields that that rice cannot grow anymore on those right. uh, those fields, and uh, they try to transform it into uh, fish ponds. Yeah. Uh, however, they are not uh, working all the time because yeah, sometimes they overflow and there goes your fish, there goes your money. So a lot of these. Mm-hmm water areas are vacant yeah. and uh, yeah, are not used at all. And that's why floating homes can be a solution for people to live comfortable on the water instead mm-hmm. of, uh, of in the water. And it is, a, or it can be a solution for, uh, yeah, to, to build a lot more uh, homes that are uh, yeah, very demanded in that, uh, that area. What is the status since 2019 then? Uh, it's still there. <laughs> still yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, that's one part of uh, of the test as well, because that's interesting. Of course, we yeah. we we yeah, we have that pilot building as a as a really as a test uh, test building. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're testing the building on uh, technical things, uh, for example, to to see how the uh, the indoor environment is, the thermal environment, for example. Mm-hmm. So measuring uh, indoor temperature, uh, measuring indoor ventilation, these kind of things, mm. and doing as well surveys about that. So, uh, so how do people feel in uh, inside the building? Do they f- mm. yeah, find the temperature okay? These things, mm. but as well about more about, let's say, user friendliness. So, so how do they yeah like to live in a floating building? Do they feel safe? Uh, how is it during a typhoon? That's of course very uh, yeah important thing as well because it can be quite uh, quite some heavy storms uh, over there. And then to build a floating home, it's quite challenging. But uh, but yeah, the yeah we did interviews about that. So mm-hmm. um, it may be good to mention that we now have uh, three test rounds. So uh, every yeah, couple of months, uh, yeah, there's a new family living and testing the uh, the floating home. And in the end of those 
uh, that period, yeah, we do those interviews, uh, with, yeah, with this uh, this family to give us uh, feedback. Yeah, that's yeah. a very interesting loop in, uh, yeah, in this project because yeah, normally you maybe you just design a building and then you, uh, yeah, you, you deliver it and you, yeah, you don't think about it anymore. Right. But we have a very interesting loop in it that we, uh, yeah, that we provide feedback from from that one uh, one one single building to yeah. uh, to use for our next uh, projects. Yeah, no, that's that's very important. I didn't realize that that was part of the project. That yeah. my next question was going to be who was selected to or who who lives in the in the home, but it's a lot of people. Yeah, 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 multiple people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, about who's selecting that. Yeah, we do that of course together with our partners there because for us it's a bit difficult to say like, oh yeah, all right, you can test the building or you yeah. can test the building. So we asked the municipality there, uh, like, yeah, do you have some people that would like to contribute in this uh, in this project and that would like to live in this uh, building for uh, for a couple of months yeah. and uh, yeah so that's very of course very cool as well to see that yeah more people are uh, are testing uh, and living in the, in the mm. building what kind of feedback have you gotten so far is it mostly positive or have you gotten some really good critical impact or, or input both both um yeah of course some some interesting stuff that you yeah cannot uh, think about uh, think of before uh, one thing is that they 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 are they very like the being uh, on the water and that's that's yeah. quite interesting because there's yeah. always have, has been a, a kind of negative feeling about the water because of all those floods of course yes and now they like to be in the water because it's it's quite open in mm. that area so they, they feel that that, that chilly wind to to yeah to cool down the building they see yeah. the, the view over the water so it's a very positive thing yeah. and and that's what is yeah, very interesting and uh, yeah which, which are very liked when when I when when we received that uh, feedback yeah. and there were as well some critical stuff like like for example simple thing but uh, yeah we made all those openings in the uh, in in the pilot home to provide the building with natural ventilation but they were a bit too hard to handle because you had to open all those parts. And it's quite easy to uh, yeah, to fix that in the next uh, next project. Mm-hmm. And another one was when it's storming. Of course, the building is 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 swaying a bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that much. They always had a, had a safe uh, feeling, so that's a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for next project, yeah, we, we're looking like how can we fix that? And mm-hmm. uh, we're now thinking about yeah, com- combining more buildings together so you have a wider platform where those buildings are located on and thereby it becomes more stable of course so uh, yeah yeah these are just a a couple of things that uh, yeah yeah no but it's really interesting that the feedback is that as soon as the water is no longer a threat it becomes Mm -hmm. um it becomes a a resource or or a treasure yeah yeah that's very powerful yeah we uh we receive receive uh, from the the guys that we work together with like uh, ricky and kent they were our two foremen, mm-hmm. and um, we we still have contact with them. They fix things if there is a, a, like bamboo falling off or something, then they fix it for us. And um, like we received in the beginning, we received uh, like a picture of themselves like fishing from the from the floating home, and yeah, uh, yeah like like they really enjoy it. And like I think they're also like uh, what's nice to see that they're they're proud of the work they've done. And mm-hmm. when we were working together, like. Um, in the beginning, we found Ricky first, and it was hard to find someone that wanted to work with us. We were, of course, like two like uh, two guys from abroad who all yeah. of a sudden, yeah, what are what are you gonna do here? And yeah. um, it was also so we we kind of started um, with Ricky, and then 
um, he got more and more excited once he kind of saw what we were going to do and like mm-hmm. when it uh, started to float and then you know and like then more and more people was like all oh, right you know it, <laughs> yeah. it, it looks like it's gonna work you know and people and kids started playing on it right away you know yeah. they're like oh this is a floating platform and like we can we can run on this and um and in the end i think they're they're really uh proud of like being part of that uh, or at least that's what we like to believe but um uh, <laughs> it sounds like it yeah yeah good thing about floating homes is that you still uh, can uh, let people live in the same location as they uh, they grew up in and they have their community and they have their livelihood mm-hmm. um, and i think that's one thing that we i mean maybe with our, our our western view we kind of come to that place and we're like yeah why would you still live here there, there's so much uh, so many places higher up why wouldn't you move there um but like the kind of the the circles that people move in are very small like that's where their family is and like the brothers and sisters live all next door um yeah. so it's they you cannot move someone 10 kilometers for us that's like uh in the netherlands for example 10 kilometers is fine but like there that's a big distance and mm-hmm. being able to use those rice fields that are just behind uh, in their back garden and make floating homes there um, kind of allows it to people live in the same place that they grew up in um back to your work then you wrote something i have found it's it's along these lines this is really key um the solution must be found in living with water with local affordable materials and with local prefabrication that allows for quick upscaling so i mean we've been talking about that but is there anything else you want to elaborate on that as well i mean i guess like you mentioned like uh, local people local material and prefabrication um mm-hmm. i mean local people was we think is really key uh to at least to our pilot and and probably to to like uh, our further the projects from uh like from here on um we have very close contact with the municipality they helped us find prefab location they help us find lo- uh, site locations they mm-hmm. they provide people to help us and uh, so that connection is really important mm-hmm. um also we knew the the knowledge that we got from Ricky and Kent they're just like amazing craftsmen uh, mm-hmm. craftsmen and um like we're just i mean Peter and I were just engineers um and we think we know it but then these guys like they can make tools from nothing you know like yeah. we think oh we buy we buy a tool but they just make tools for you and <laughs> they're like oh, why do you do this in such a way like and and um i mean yeah. examples of like roofing we're like oh we'll, we'll make the roof like this and they were like they were like this yeah. a bit later in the states and they were just laughing at us like why, give it to me give it yeah. to me yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, give it to me let me do it yeah but that's interesting of course like uh, like you all mentioned yeah we were just engineers and and yeah calculating it and drawing it modeling it but yeah they they know how to uh, how to really build it so that's yeah. a yeah perfect match of course that brings me actually to the next question because I want to bring up vernacular architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, since you wrote about that, and I understand it was an inspiration for the eventual architecture of this pilot home. Yeah. Um, so here's another quote The traditional vernacular construction methods in Southeast Asia correspond greatly with modern sustainable building goals. So, first, I wonder if you two could break down what vernacular is because we in the industry throw that around, but not many people outside of the, the, building industry know what that is and how does that align with sustainable building goals 
Yeah, I think vernacular architecture is about uh, yeah, the traditional way of uh, yeah, of building. Um, yeah, often not designed by, let's say, uh, formally schooled architects, but uh, they rely on the design skills and the craftsman's skills of uh, yeah of local builders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's an, often an ancient way of uh, of constructing uh, buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Philippines, the the most um, uh, the most uh, known building type is uh, is the Bahai Kubo, okay. which literally translation of a cube home. Okay. And it is it is really a cube with uh, with this uh, yeah just a, a pitched roof pitch roof on top of it. Uh, it's built on stilts, mm-hmm. uh, and of course it's all. Yeah, it's built with uh, with local uh, locally available materials, so a lot of bamboo and uh, nipa leaves and all those uh, those things. Mm-hmm. And it's but in a way, it's a simple simple building type, but it's as well yeah quite fascinating building type because it's it really fits its location. It's really built for a tropical climate because it has huge openings to 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 provide the building with uh, natural ventilation and the, the roof shape is because the heat can dissipate to the to the top it's built on steels because for ventilation as well but as well to protect it from floods uh, and so there are a lot of smart things here as well overhangs to protect it from the rain and from uh, direct sunlight yeah. and 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 what we did and what you see now more often in all parts of the world is uh that you not let's say copy this this Baha'i Kubo and uh, yeah, and make it build a new Baha'i Kubo, but but really dive into uh, why did they build it like this in that that period of time, mm-hmm. and then you can uh, really dive into all those uh, yeah, let's say design strategies, for example, those, those overhangs, and you can can make uh, computer models of it to 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 come to the best uh, shape of those overhangs. How large should they be to to uh, create the best indoor environment? Which angles should you make them? And all these kind of things we did. To really use that vernacular uh, architecture as an uh, inspiration uh, and to come to yeah, let's, let's say more mod- modern uh, design version of the uh, of the Baha'i Kubo. Yeah. And thereby you can make a lot of uh, yeah, low tech uh, or use low tech design strategies to mm-hmm. uh, to create a very uh, let's say low energy or even zero energy uh, building because you don't need any air conditioner because since it makes that well use of uh, of natural ventilation so uh, yeah yeah so then it's sustainable on kind of two fronts one is it's building operation cost or or mm-hmm. it's using passive systems almost entirely then yeah and it's also sourced by local materials so you don't have these huge transport costs in terms of co2 and, and fuel and things so yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, and as the article points out, it's not just about climate change and increased flooding that has this challenge for people in Manila Bay, but also the subsidence, meaning that the land is actually sinking. And I had no idea it was so fast in Manila Bay, mm-hmm. um, or in, I guess, the whole Philippines, is perhaps. Um, and it makes me think about how everybody is so concerned with Venice sinking. You know, everybody just wants to save that city. And I think it's not sinking at anywhere the rate of, of the Philippines. And we can say some things about why we consider one of greater importance than the other and what that means in our, our societal values. But mm-hmm. my question is actually, um, is any research or, or best practices from places like Venice or even places in the far north where, for example, the permafrost is melting, um, did you find any 
inspiration or, or practical techniques from these places that were applicable to you in the Philippines or vice versa? Do you think that something you're developing there is exportable? I think, um, I think both, um, of course, being from the Netherlands, that is, uh, uh, you start to look in a different way to what we do in the Netherlands. It seems all very kind of normal to you to have dikes and dams protecting yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but we see like the problems in the Philippines, they're kind of, it's not like only in the Philippines or only in the Delta that we're working. You see them like throughout the whole world, basically. Mm. Um, and so that, that subsidence, like, we all see that in the Netherlands. Actually, the Netherlands is also slowly sinking, uh, mm -hmm. slower rate, but it's still happening. And we also have sea level rise, which is, of course, a global problem. Um, but yeah, in the Netherlands, we have dams and dikes to protect us. Um, uh, of course, it costs a lot of maintenance. Uh, you need a lot of capital to like capital to like uh, uh, to upkeep it. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, fighting against the water only gets you so far. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's gone it's gone well, like in the last couple of decades. Um, but then now you start the, you start project, projecting the future scenarios and there's more and more scenarios where you see that the uh, Netherlands is going to be flooded um, yeah. in like, like some say a century, some say a couple of centuries and uh, that will mean that the Netherlands is unlivable. And uh, is, then you have like a scenario, you can continue how you're doing it now, dikes and dams, mm -hmm. or you can start, uh, changing the way how you live with the water mm -hmm. um, since it's a moving ecosystem. Um, so the thinking has changed in the Netherlands where we, um, there's a program called uh, Ramte for the Rivier or Room for the River where they kind of give more space to rivers. Like we don't start building really close to it anymore. We give it more space. And mm -hmm. um, so what we're kind of, from that we take that we should, um, look at a solution that doesn't only fight uh, against the elements, but works with the elements. Mm. Um, and I think like flexibility and resilience is really key in that. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, that's why we choose building with timber because um, uh, it's a resilient material and um, renewable and floating houses uh, that mm -hmm. go with the water that mm -hmm. uh, we see that as a solution. And, and that cannot like, uh, I mean, in the Netherlands, we also have floating houses for like decades already. Or yeah, um, yeah. And um, so it can it, it can be implemented in the Philippines how we do it now uh, to like of course regions that are similar to the Philippines in terms of climate, but like uh, it can be done all over the world basically. Um, so um, I think we we take things from the Netherlands that we use and we take things uh, back from the Philippines to other places hopefully. Mm. Yeah. No, I think the, the interesting part in it is as well, like, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, you can fight it, uh, making the dams higher, 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 and mm -hmm. then in the end, you end up in a kind of bunker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, do you want yeah. to live in a bunker? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, which is quite dangerous as well, because once they overflow, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, to, let's say, uh, make room for the water and to see, can you still combine it with... Yeah, with living, uh, how can you can you shape it then? Uh, what kind of new things should you come up with? Because it's not only about then making, uh, yeah, in, in our case, floating homes, but as well how to make them floating infrastructure, sanitation, mm -hmm. all these kind of things. And of course, 
public spaces, churches, uh, schools, yeah. all those things you have then to, to think of. And, and maybe you can as well combine it with, uh, with floating uh, rice fields again to, to really use the, these areas uh, again for uh, growing uh, rice. All these mm-hmm. things are, yeah, I find very fascinating to, uh, to think of. So by now we've spent a couple months uh, in the Philippines um, and we get to know more and more people. And I mean, most people we met, they're always like very positive and they always make like, they make kind of jokes about the situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you hear a lot is like uh, when it's flooded again, people say like, oh, water world, water world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you've seen the movie, um, you know, that's, that's what they're referring to themselves. And sometimes oh, maybe that's the scenario we're, you know, we're going to, but um, it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. 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 Let's hope it doesn't go that far. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the last question I have is the way we're ending all of our interviews. Um, the name of the podcast is can architecture fix this? So do you too think that architecture could fix the challenges that people face when living in tropical floodplains? Um, with extreme weather and subsidence, or is it too narrow to focus on architecture? And if so, how would you reframe it? Well, <laughs> yeah, very nice question, of course. Can architecture fix this? Um, yeah, it, it, it might depend a bit on, on yeah, what do you see as architecture? Um, even when we look at this, this project that we are working on, and it's, even if you look at only at the, the, the pilot building, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we can talk about the pilot as, as architecture, but you can as well see it as, all right, it's part about yeah, designing a nice place uh, for people, of course, but as well as to deal with the building technology, it has to deal with designing sanitation, but as well with some uh, real estate things, uh, project management, uh, context with local communities, mm-hmm. uh, context with local suppliers. So there's if it's only architecture, no, but it's more about um, a whole, let's say, network of people that are working together on the, yeah, on the same, same issues. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can fix it, I believe. So we have to work together with a lot of uh, different disciplines uh, on the same, uh, same problem. And of course, we can call it architecture, but we can as well call it maybe different or maybe we can call it a multidisciplinary mm. co-working something like that uh, and then we can fix it. and then the question yeah, might be what is fixing yes <laughs> yeah what is fixing uh, yeah like we yeah we, we, we as well mentioned um do we really want to fix it in a way that we really prevent the water to come in right no no we want to to fix it in a way that we want to create sustainable, uh, resilient uh, uh, settlements. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that is that is more about yeah, fixing it. Uh, we talked as well about relocation. <laughs> For some parts, it's better to relocate. Is that fixing the problem? Right. Mm, it's a mm-hmm. way of dealing with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So Is anything really ever fixed? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What is fixing that? <laughs> I mean, uh, what also came to mind at least like architecture is sometimes a lot about aesthetics as well mm. um and i think of course we had you have all the aesthetics in mind but we mainly focused on the engineering part from our master thesis uh, point of view and and then when we were there like in the philippines we never really like we're building this pilot and we're like okay like what 
color are things going to be and like you know so like we we didn't have a plan and mm -hmm. we just you know the kind of the aesthetics came later and i think we are really happy with how it turned out that the, the blue roof and the blue barrels and the white walls looks looks really nice but like it um it's it's secondary to everything else that it does um so uh, yeah it, it really depends on how you frame architecture that was a very comprehensive and I would say hopeful <laughs> answer. So thank you for that. <laughs> Joran and Peter, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's the story this week. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to learn more about Finch Floating Homes, you can visit their website at www.finchfloatinghomes.com. Can Architecture Fix This is produced by White Architected in Oslo. Ingrid Klevan is our production manager. She also composes our music. Sophia Benson is our managing director. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating. That helps others find us. You can find us on Instagram under the handle White Architected Oslo or visit our website at www.whitearchitected.com. Join us next time when we speak with Thomas Rees and discuss how to care for cultural heritage sites along the coast of Greenland. We'll ask the question, can architecture fix industrial boom and bust? I'm Rebecca Sheberg, and this was Can Architecture Fix This from White Architected.